Welcome to Radio Free Murktown, a podcast focusing on and funded by the gaming community at ExplorersUnlimited.com. More than just another play-by-post website, Explorers Unlimited is one of the world's largest online communities of Palladium Books fans who are taking part in a single epic storyline in each dimension, within which all player characters can interact. Explorers Unlimited, where the only thing missing from the greatest adventures ever imagined is you. And now here's the host of Radio Free Murktown, Lloyd Ritchie. Welcome to Radio Free Murktown number 39. I am, as always, your host, Lloyd, a.k.a. Augur and Jezebel on the site. And with us today is our, our guest, Dash. Dash, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dash. I'm also known as Bob Silent. I'm uh, the GM account Tyrannosapiens Rex on EU. I also play Cat Porter and Jenny Jeffries and Kelly Kellogg and Calamity John now because people told me it was creepy that I only play girl characters. Uh, Dash, I'm not sure that this is an exception. <laughs> you got an embedded <laughs> female in this male character. I'm just saying, I think you're hedging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have so, a comfortable spot. <laughs> no new patrons from uh, January or February. Uh, so no new patron shout outs in this episode. Uh, so we're, our itinerary is going to be uh, short and sweet, uh, and there's going to be a giveaway at the end, of course, uh, but the itinerary is as follows. We're, our first section is uh, Educating Savages, Rift's Lore, Canada. Our second section is a group spotlight on Mars, uh, formerly known as PAS, which is the Merktron Armored Recon Services, and we'll go into why they changed their name. And then the listener topic suggestion was to cover the uh, new feature on EU, which is the availability and rarity guide. So we will go over all that. And uh, I guess, uh, Dash, uh, without further ado, let's uh, dive into Canada. Okay. Well, Canada has its own world book, but that's not where you begin or end really with the story of Canada. Because... Canada first appears in Spirit West, where they announce uh, Fort Huron, which is a Native American outpost, right? It's got kind of a traditionalist bent to it, so it's got a tech center. It's uh, it's a bunch of, like, the shamans and stuff and the tribal warriors. And then that's, uh, that's right across from Ishpeming and the Manisk Imperium right on the other side of the... The Great Lakes. Yeah, it's fair enough to say it's fair enough to say that the uh, northern part of the Great Lakes is part of Canada territorially wise, but they didn't give a lot of of uh, coverage to it in previous. Yeah, books no, they they didn't at all. They they only mentioned like they mentioned a few things like Laszlo, right? Which they've 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 yet to detail in full, if I remember correctly. I think. I think they I think they covered that in one of them. I don't remember now though, but I remember they covered it pretty good. It's like Montreal. Yeah, I don't remember. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, I'm not I'm not sure. But uh yeah, so they they so um Canada itself, the World Book, uh they have the Heart of Civilized Canada which they detail as Laszlo, Free Quebec, Iron Yeah, and they, they go into some interesting little small towns. They detail some weird stuff, right? And it's it's cool. It gives you a kind of a flavor of the region and it gives you like maps of ley lines in in canada it's a it's a good centralized source but then you like you look at the maps 
and there are cities that aren't even like mentioned in the book like for example Fort Huron and things and then you like then the rest of the stories in free Quebec right you get to hear about the the civilized bastion of Canada or the human nemesis bastion right and then there's Ironheart which is also located in Ontario so Canada's pretty populated Right, and that's coalition. Yeah, apparently demons, while you know being largely immune to the heat, uh, really don't like the cold. I guess uh, <laughs> all the all the plagues. Yeah, they, they die in the cold. So you know, I, I guess it makes a certain amount of sense that Canada would actually be fairly better off than the continental U.S. in you know the end times. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like middle of middle America and middle. Canada really do pretty well. Like the coastal areas did really poor because the whole tsunamis thing, right? But like, like Chicago, yeah, and the population, yeah, like the Midwest, United yeah. States, and then like the central rail belt area in Canada probably withstood it pretty well. Yeah, so that they cover uh, like you were alluding to the uh, some of the smaller towns like Mechanicsville and Willsburg and. Uh, like they, they cover that. Yeah, they cover that. And those, I think, I think you're right. They give a, they have a good flavor of kind of like the small town Canada that's out there because Quebec gets its own book and all the, they don't overlap information a lot. So you like all the, uh, all the preserves there, you know, those are all detailed in Spirit West. So why bother here? And then one of the interesting things, because there's a lot for like central Canada and Eastern Canada kind of gets its own thing with Quebec. But what's interesting is them diving into uh, East or uh, Western Canada in British Columbia, and they recreate an entirely new thing over there. Yeah, with the Cyber which Horseman are detailed mostly in the conversion book, right? Revised. They're, they're in the section on centaurs. Yeah. And that's the biggest blurb you get about them, if I remember correctly. Because they're pretty much... Yeah. Like, there's only a short blurb about them in Canada as well, because like you said, why bother reprinting information when you can, like, cram two more guns in the book? Yeah, they got, I think, like, four or five pages about the Cyber Horseman, which kind of helps flesh things out a bit without actually repeating a lot of the same stuff that's already covered elsewhere. The other most important part of, uh, of understanding Canada is, of course, Calgary, which, which is detailed... To a pretty good extent, the like the Calgary Hell Pit is in Megaverse in Flames. So there's your your resource for the the real problems in Canada are these demons that are based out of Calgary. Yeah, and you, you get a, a fair amount of uh, other content related to that coming out of uh, Spirit West and New West as well. Uh, where they allude to Calgary's the big goddamn issue around here, and that's hundreds of miles north, and nobody wants to go up there because that's all confronted with, you know, or that's all uh, dominated by monsters. And, and then the there's like small problems, like you know, Zitix. Yeah, that 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 one's a rough right, one to pronounce. Like, <laughs> Eyes and lots of unusual consonants. Yeah. Well, anyway, they are half in the yeah, Dakotas the bug, the bug and people. half in southern Canada, right there too. So that's. Yeah, Canada, the border. That's man. That's where all right. the action. Well, I mean, that's where all uh, the people are but, now. Yeah. Right. So why not make it the center of the action 
in the future too. It seems perfect. Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the things I actually really liked because there was a lot I didn't like about the book, but one of the things I really liked about the book was they brought in the cold. They brought in environmental effects and how hypothermia and frostbite. Yeah. Yeah, that whole section is just fantastic if you want to subject people to, uh, you know, player characters to real suffering. And Dinosaur Swamp was another one that did a great job of this, too. The rest of the places, you know, the rest of the continent is so temperate, it's not a big deal. Yeah, they, they did it with diseases in Dinosaur Swamp, which was another amazing one. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, the pers- and their uh, focus on personal hygiene was like... That's the real killer, man. You don't want to chafe in that, but you can't get out of that body armor or you're going to get funk and then you're going to rot. And it's like, yes, that's fantastic. And then up in Canada, it's like, boy, you better get into things and dry and yeah, warm. Yeah, temperature and- <laughs> body armor seems really good. Fantastic. Yeah. Environmental seals. So a lot of good stuff up there. Uh, one of the things I didn't really care for, although I have found some use for it, was their introduction of the Tundra Rangers in like the north and the oh, northern I mean, what's the, uh, what's the problem with the descendants thought, of the Mounties, man? Okay. They're, they're cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, okay, so how are they supported? There's nothing. It's just, here's some OCCs, here's some a little bit of unusual gear that's very specialized for the area, well, which like makes sense. Time traveling how are they supported? who's like, they, their base was a giant fade town that disappeared for like a hundred years or something like that. Kind of like the cities in Japan. Yeah, they don't touch a thing. They just, yeah, they're yeah, there. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn it. But uh, one of the uh, other things that I think is actually pretty good, except for one part I don't like, uh, is they, ex- like, they have a, Rifts does a lot of this where you'll have those canonical core classes which you hear out of, uh, which you would get out of like Griff's Ultimate Edition. And then certain books branch those off into subtypes, which is fantastic. Like the Bionic Source book is awesome for that because they give you a half dozen different varieties of city rats, which is great for specialization and, you know, getting more interesting nuance out of a, out of a general archetype of character. And Canada does this for headhunters. Why? I'm not sure. They never really explain. But it's a thing. And so you get all your headhunter uh, specialists out of this book, including the one I don't like, which is the Mamano headhunter, the TW uh, headhunter. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Canada does give you all of those OCCs, too. I think they, they had this blurb in here somewhere. I'm having a little difficulty finding it where they called it like Merc North or something like it's a actually it's considered Canada as a big area for mercenaries or something like that. Uh, the introduction of the Techno Wizard Bionics that I was just like, what? Oh God, no. They, okay, and then where you're like where they can cram a couple more things of doodads. That was it, and I was like, damn it, because they really otherwise stuck to you know the monsters of the terrain, uh, the kind of. The world information, you know, like uh, detailing the terrain and the effects of the climate up there and everything else. And that was all pretty dang good. Uh, And they have a really fair amount of uh, Monsters of the North detailed, uh, including the Sasquatch, of course. Got to have those. But, you know, we're accustomed to that kind of silly shit. But uh, uh, they go into pretty good detail with some of that stuff, including some of the Inuit uh, OCCs, which... They're, yeah, they do a fair job with that, I thought. Uh, 
you know, it's a little bit more of an afterthought, but then it they, works. Then they follow that with like four pages of of Tundra Legion equipment, right? Like maybe less, yeah, maybe yeah. less, uh, just, just a little bit less of a shopping manual. I guess, no, this is palladium. So shopping manuals are mandatory, right? Yeah. And it was the same thing with the TW Bionics. It was like, ugh, now you can skip all that stuff to explain why, hey, why is this here? Why are these people here? How are they supporting themselves? And instead, you have like 10 pages of TW Bionics or whatever the hell. And it's just like, ah. But on the on the flip side, they also had some interesting new uh, DBs up in there. So I thought that those are always interesting. That gives you, uh, that hits all your diversity quotas, <laughs> you know. And uh, and they, they honestly had some uh, pretty decent OCCs for the Tundra Rangers as well, like the Trapper Woodsman and whatnot. So I thought those were pretty okay. And the OCCs themselves aren't bad, uh, minus the Mamano. Yeah, it was just a. I, I really like the fact that the book concentrates on, you know, here's the environment, and the environment is not your friend. It's it's there, and it can be taken advantage of, but it isn't. It is not friendly. It is not temperate. You will have to pay attention to it. You can't just drive through it like in the lower forty-eight. And then you know they give you a lot of the flavor of the smaller town, and they do this kind of only in I think uh, in in Canada where they give you an actual couple examples of small towns. And yet in all the books, it's like, oh yeah, this, the, you know, civilization's rare, but there's lots of little small towns struggling to survive. And you're like, okay, can, can we get an example? No. <laughs> but Canada actually, Canada actually pays it out. They did that a little bit in like New West too. They at least named the little outlying towns in the various baronies and stuff. Yeah, those are like minor kingdoms and yeah, for the region, they're kind of small townish, but it's like legit small towns like Mechanicsville and Fowlerville and Burleston, little tiny thing. Yeah, it's interesting, but there's a, there's some good stuff out of Canada. I think uh, the my one big GMs take advantage of this and use it is look at the uh, climate effects stuff, and because you can use that anywhere there's high ele elevation and cold. So if you're crossing the Rockies, there you go. Uh, if you're anywhere that's Arctic, there you go. You know, here's a good resource for it. What What's the uh, one takeaway you'd give uh, positive uh, for people out of this? Well, I mean, past especially. the cold weather stuff, which is pretty good. I am actually a really big fan of like the native demons and magic and stuff towards the end of the book. Yeah, instead of like just having like more and more Hades and Dival demons everywhere because they have already got a spot in Calgary. Fill the rest of the area up with some of the stuff out of there, like the demon bear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the wish push and stuff like that. And the and I do like the fact that they note, hey, some of the Russian demons are over here too because ice, snow, yeah. proximity. You know, so that's all pretty good. There's rifts. The Rifts Lore Canada for the Savages. Uh, savages enjoy, uh, like we said, the uh, the the native monsters and the the temperature effects. Those are things to take into account. And the, the, politically, there's not a lot going on up there, other than you have Tundra Rangers, which are basically like cyber knights, but without special powers or anything like that, who are kind of like maintaining some semblance of justice human there. drama uh, so the East Coast. like oh we're, we're human supremacists but we don't agree yeah, on the yeah. color of our uniforms so have at thee 
(laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, So, which takes us to the group spotlight on Mars. Well, I'm I'm now the GM of 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 Mars. So, Merktown Armored Reconnaissance Services is uh, is is the renaming of a group called uh, Paragon Acquisition Services. Now, none of the characters in the group currently were there all actually that's not true because beanpole is a founding member of paragon yep and why did they change their name dash why did they change their name do tell uh that might have something to do with my character cat porter and her decision to uh maybe sell a katani suit in the swap meet. so what's wrong with that uh well the there were missiles fired and a bunch of people died, and uh, uh, we still got paid, which is, of course, the important part for Cat. But a bunch of people died, and it wasn't very cool. And yeah, somebody tried to steal the suit. So uh, a brouhaha emerged because of this, and PAS got a bad name because of it. Yeah, yeah. And we ended up selling the suit to the coalition states, which probably didn't help things any either. So, uh, so what, what kind of a what kind of overview can you provide for us regarding uh, Mars? Who's in there now? Uh, what's their status? What's been their status, etc. Okay, well, I just took over GMing duties for the group. There are five people in Mars right now. They're led by Quantum, which is Tyree's character, Samantha Beckett. She's a Robotech pilot. She has a Logan fighter right now, I think it is. Um, let's see. And then there's there's Daphne, who's a Robo Gladiator. She's been in the group for... Which, a couple years. That's a subtle um, reference back to Canada because I believe that OCC comes out of there. Isn't it? Is she a Robo Gun? Gladiator? I thought she was a, a headhunter specialist type. No, I'm pretty sure she's a Robo Jock, like a Robo Gladiator. Let me double check. Nope, you're right. My bad. Oh, still kind of. Yeah. I mean, UP. It's okay. Canada South. <laughs> uh, then there's Beanpole. Now Beanpole is a founding member of the group. He's been off and on. He also helped found Double uh, A Protection Services or Double Yeah. He he helped form Apps too, which was the first group I ran on site. He also helped found the Paragons, who turned into Mars, and uh, now he's back with them. And and he is a descended glitter boy, if I remember correctly. And plays a very vanilla character. He's, he, excuse me, he is a professional chef now. <laughs> he's retired. <laughs> I think he's coming. I think he's coming out of retirement. Then there's there's Rocky. Now Rocky is a veteran character of the group. He goes all the way back to Arkansas's Adventurers, which became Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Uh, yeah, uh, Rocky's been around the site for quite a long time. He's actually a level ten. Uh, Psychos, I think, and he's yeah. pretty damn powerful, uh, just and wealthy as hell. Yeah, he's been around, uh, and and he he hates musicians. If you ever want to get a violent reaction out of him, just mention somebody yeah, right. strumming on a guitar. <laughs> yeah, he's he's got his own quirk, <laughs> and he's never addressed it. Who else we got? Um, and then rounding out the cast is Ernst Weevil, who is their. Their dedicated magic user type. He's he's a textbook human ley line walker, which of course 
I I love those classes from the RUE. Yeah, very very flexible. And uh, of course, he's obsessed with dimensional travel, so that's gonna be fun. I I love putting people in a. You can also use environmental rules in other dimensional situations to tie into the previous. Oh yes, Uh, uh, frequent (laughs) listeners will probably recall me speaking about Morogot, and them and me yanking the roughnecks into the intestines of a of an alien intelligence that was basically a multi-hundred mile long uh, digestion uh, circuit. And so they had to, it, whose uh, anal vagina or whatever uh, was a dimensional portal back home. So they had to make it through and the entire interior of the, of the insides was toxic. So, yeah. Yeah. That was a good read when it was when you were writing it out too. The whole and everything tinged in heavy it. blue. Everything, so just yeah, just to freak everybody's senses out. Uh, but yeah, so that that's a, that should be fun, and it allows you as a GM uh, the opportunity to really f with them by throwing them into places they're not accustomed to, and not just candy ass fun houses of shopping like Phase World, but truly evil places you make up on your own. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, or or even the ones out of uh, oh, yeah. the Megaverse book. Garbage like, pit dimension. Oh, let's dimension full of robots. Or, or the dimension full of robots that oh, want to yeah, kill that you. Yeah, that one's a winner, too. I'm, I'm going to take somebody to the garbage pit dimension as soon as I can. Oh, yeah, I love that because uh, then people will lose shit. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to guess that's how you're going to get rid of some of the gear on some of the characters and some of the groups uh, you've taken over. If I have my druthers. That or I will blast it off of them. One of the two. They can. They don't get to take their pick. Uh, <laughs> But uh, so that's a that's an overview of the group. Anybody in addition to Ernst Weevil? Uh, nope, that's just that's the five of them now. And uh, I mean, we are recruiting. Hint, hint, all you listeners. We're looking for three more people. And currently, they're on an adventure out west in the Colorado Baronies. Yeah, and it looks like, by the way, uh, everybody voted to finish it or sufficiently. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a, that's a only one of them knows what that actually means, but that's fine because I, I their old GM is of course Beanpole's player. Yeah, and on the so. plus side, uh, <laughs> VV left uh, pretty decent notes, so you have a you have a good you have a, you have a good outline to go off of. You don't have to. You don't have to start from fresh. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Although I do have my own plans, and some of them are kind of self-serving. Always good. Uh, I would like to point out Samantha Beckett has a thing that my character has been coveting for five years, six years in-game now, like in the real world, but like for years in-game, too. Uh, Yeah, the MacGuffin. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yep, yep. Cat wants to give it to the Naruni, right? Because the Naruni said they want it. That means money and power. (laughs) And that's all Cat's about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, if you look at Cat's list of things she wants, Naruni stock is number (laughs) six on the list. So, yeah, that that should be interesting. Uh, (laughs) So anything else we want to go over with Mars, other than the fact that they have openings, folks, and a fresh new GM who has not been beaten down by the realities of managing life and games. Now, that's not entirely true. I did run what apps for like four years, so I I have some experience. And he's so. fresh. He's fresh. He's ready for the he's ready for the fight. But no, it's uh absolutely. Um and the only other thing is like, yeah, 
Well, we've covered. We're going at. We're out in the Colorado Baronies now. They're like less than a third of the way through the adventure. So there's. If you're joining, you're joining in the field. Yeah, that's it. Just a reminder to people who might be listening: if you join in the field, that can be a blessing and a curse. It gives you all the same range of choices, character-wise or whatnot. But you don't have to go through the rigmarole of going through the city gates at Murktown, going through the kind of moderated stuff, and then finding a way to meet the characters. The GM will handle it all. So it's a much quicker intro to the group. Absolutely. All righty. And now our listener topic suggestion before we uh, finish things off here, uh, the availability and rarity guide. Now, this is like brand new, fresh from the printer's new creation house yep. rule, right? It's kind of sourced in canon um in all of the palladium stuff inconsistently of course because that's um you will find notations on the rarity or availability of something uh like i said inconsistently but there's often mention about it this or that being uncommon or uh this is you know uh, widely available or uh, limited availability or whatnot so instead of just having these kind of or fair availability here, impossible right. everywhere else, yeah, or something you get like that. Um, they, they don't give you the nice, concise terms you're using in the house rule. You kind of have to infer yeah. those. And so, like, and this is a kind of a feature in a lot of different games. Uh, certainly not all, but the kind of availability of things uh, varies, which, duh, basic econ. Um, so I've with a lot of input from the uh, from the community, I whipped up an availability and rarity guide, which establishes uh, the difficulty of finding things that you want. Uh, so there's just a quick overview. There's six uh, tiers of availability, uh, ranging from the most plentiful, which are common items, which are super easy to find, obviously, to uncommon, to rare, to very rare, to ultra rare, to unique slash legendary. Uh, so the, the first category, you won't have any kind of skill check required. There's, there's no modifiers. Um, it is not hard to find these things. They're ubiquitous, right? Uh, that might be the other name for it instead of common, ubiquitous. Uh, the other thing, the next step is uncommons. These are eh, not hard to find, but you know, they're not everywhere. So. You know, if, if you don't see it at the one shop, eh, you could probably find it at the right. Not that hard. Um, they might, they just might require a little, a little uh, work getting around town to figure out where it is. Uh, the next step is a rare, uh, uncommon. By the way, has one successful skill check is required, and you get to roll all the applicable skills. And there's a list of eight uh, particularly applicable skills for uh, for finding things that you want, um, and they across a lot of different uh, skill sets. So there's a, a nice variety. And they actually include two things that aren't skills per se, but are actually abilities that come out of your attributes. So remarkably good looking or charming people uh, will have an innate little benefit there because uh, those are often neglected attributes. And the next uh, rarity uh, is rare, which will require two su successful skill checks. And there's... And all the modifiers in here are suggested to the GMs, not hard and fast. Uh, so a 10% is a suggested modifier for a rare. Uh, so that'd be a penalty applied to the skill check. Um, very rare requires three successful skill checks. 
ultra rare requires four and unique requires five, meaning it's nigh impossible to find something that's unique or legendary. So it's most likely going to be a loot drop. Yeah, yep. And uh, I actually play tested around with this a little bit. At first, you weren't going to let us roll all of the skills, right? You first wanted like one skill check and you had to get them all. Yeah, to yeah pass. it went through, I think this is the third iteration that finally stuck and it seemed really workable and good. The, uh, the first one is the one you're describing and that went reasonably well, but with the modifiers as not suggestions, but as hard and fast, it became really difficult to get anything past rare, like incredibly difficult. Uh, at this stage, it's far more balanced and it's not literally a fraction of a single percent to find something unique. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you'd have to have been incredibly lucky to have ever found anything unique or even ultra rare. Uh, you would have had to uh, min-max like crazy. And the, I want to encourage uh, a variety of skills or, you know, if not that, then have then raise the stakes or the value really of characters such as Cat who have people skills, marketable skills, market-oriented skills. It, yeah, of the, of the eight applicable skills... The only category that Kat doesn't have is the research and then the anthropology, archaeology. So she's got six yeah, of the yeah, eight. She's super uh, market-centric, so it makes sense. And now, instead of gun bunnies and spell slingers being ubiquitous and, you know, the mainstay, now there's now there's a reason to go ahead and invite that rogue scholar onto the team. You know, I think he might come in useful. <laughs> you know, because that rogue scholar is almost certainly going to have uh, like three, four, maybe five of those probably pretty much off the bat. And the city rats, they're probably going to have a number of those. Yeah, they praise goods. They get research. They'll get anthropology or archaeology. Pretty sure yeah, most and of city them rats, do. Likewise, they're going to they're going to totally have. And I think they all get fine contraband, all the scholars do because that's one of their yeah, how one of their class these are. uh kind of what, what a lot of gamers consider squishy characters are going to have a lot more value than they used to so maybe good to have them around if you don't want to blow a lot of ep you know uh getting a bunch of different skills um so there's that um and it incentivizes people having contacts. This is the one thing I don't remember who the suggestion was, who the suggestion came from, but it was good. And so I, I put it in there and that is the favorable contacts. Uh, they just said, you know, I think it was you said, give us some, something for these contacts. And uh, yeah, it was, it was me and Lindsay and Todd. Yeah. I think. And so the favorable contact, which is. We, we were all throwing stuff at yeah, you to yeah. see what oh, would I work. got that. <laughs> The uh, favorable contact, which is the lowest rung, you know, it's a minor NPC. Um, he can get you uh, if you have if you have a favorable contact in in the place that you're trying to find the thing. He can get you a five percent bonus to any one roll of your choosing each quad. So eh, limited value, but useful. An influential contact, which is somewhat higher up, right? Like maybe a proprietor or a council member or something like that. They can get you a 10% bonus to one roll of your choosing each quad. A powerful contact, however, which are not inexpensive to obtain, 
uh, they can get you a re-roll of any one failed roll of your choosing each quad at a 10% bonus each quad. So significantly higher value for powerful contacts. So, and that's always good for GMs too, as well as players, because then that gives us inroads to create more adventures for the that are relevant directly to the character. Yeah, now you owe your contact a favor. Right. So there's things to hold over characters' heads. It's basically yeah. like shadow run. So there, it incentivizes that and encourages it, and uh, it works. And that's the that's the this is the thing I was trying to get through the during the process and in chat when we were all going through it. It's like. Look, guys, this is a work in progress. Criticism is fine. Poo-pooing this or that, it, you know, I mean, just cuds or whatever, you know, don't argue the concept. The concept is being debated, you know, uh, you know, argue the, argue the, the finer points and figure out a way to make it work because this is coming. So help me make it work. Yeah, yeah, because... We, we, we have too many just shopping list shopping. Yeah, going on. That is boring as shit for any GM. And it's not particularly rewarding for a player. But boy, if you got if you really want that damn TW water sword that kills vampires, and that thing's not exactly common in the Midwest, but maybe more out west, maybe that's an incentive for you to head out west. Because maybe you don't have that much luck in Murktown trying to find this thing. But you know, I bet you Arsenal has them. And it so it also gives you an incentive to get the hell out of town, you know, because there's going to be a lot available in Murktown. It's a, a trade hub, but there's even more stuff that's kind of more unusual available out in the wider world, which incentivizes adventures. Yeah, take your shopping yeah, trips on that. the road. All righty. So any, anything else? One other thing, because I know it's not in here at the moment, but you were, you were also considering, uh, some modifiers for like different specific places for specific types of items and things like that. Are, oh, are you going to go that. ahead with that? Um, every location that actually is like a, a mercantile location in Murktown has some special modifier. So um, just as an example, let me pull one up. Uh, we'll go to the Arms Bazaar and we will go to Devilman Exotic Arms because it's at the top. So at Devilman, you have a plus 5% to each roll to find exotic weapons of rare, ultra rare, or legendary rarity because he only deals with exotic crap. So there you go. And whereas at, uh, let's see, how about Arms of Yore? At Arms of, no, nothing at Arms of Yore. It's there. Oh, yeah. They just, uh, they create basic shit. Here we go. Here's Shooters. Uh, shooters has uh, plus five to each roll to find Bandito Arms items of any rarity. So you get a huge variety of things like this because there's no small number of mercantile places. Uh, Murktown. Yeah, no, that's that's the beauty of Murktown. You can go door to door looking yeah, for and stuff. So one of the one of the caveats um, that limits things in, in the availability and rarity guide is. Um, uh, a given location can only be checked once per quad by a character. So if you go into uh, Devilman and you're like, okay, here's what I'm looking for. That's it. That's your, that's your check now. So if you're going in there, check, you know, check your heart out. <laughs> uh, and, you know, you'll come up with some things, but be prepared because, you know, you're going to be asked to buy them. Uh, and, one of the things that's noted in there is a uh, price markup is frequently inverse the given availability. So if you're 
If you're looking for a rare item, don't expect it to be the base price listed. It's rare. It'll probably be significantly more. If it's, if it's like ultra rare, prepare to pay through the F and nose. If it's common, prepare to pay the base cost or maybe even a little less. And of course, that can be modified by your skill rolls. If you do amazing, you and might that's get a up better to, deal. That's up to your GM. And there's also actual skills to go with that, like barter. Yeah. So you can go ahead and apply barter to try to negotiate a better price. So that's always, you know, that's just using your skills, which is kind of what this whole thing encourages. Uh, anything else, sir, before we get to rewards? Uh, no, I think, oh, wait, there was one other thing that I noticed wasn't in the, oh yeah, no, never mind. I was, I was trying to be like, there should be a way to simplify it, kind of like test a whole region for a quad and get a yeah, bonus for the role. <laughs> in... too, much, too much extra bookkeeping. Yeah. It's like, nope, nope, nope. Good idea. Nope. Alrighty. So uh, being as you're the only one in the, uh, who made it to the to the recording uh you have a significantly better chance of actually winning the thing than uh you know john normally getting it so uh today's uh giveaway is the game bleed two and dash you are its recipient yeah not even a lottery to worry about you just get it so good for you and i will uh shoot that to you uh through an email or through i am and thanks for joining us say good night to everybody good night everybody this has been Radio Free Murktown, a WMRK production. Contact us at RadioFreeMurktown at gmail.com and support Radio Free Murktown on Patreon for as little as $2 per month. Visit us on the web at ExplorersUnlimited.com for more information.